Happy Saturday and welcome to another episode of The Crow's Nest. I'm Kelly J. Lewis. With me as always is Thomas Ware III and Dr. Kevin Crow. Now, um, last week we talked about the Democratic candidates that uh, have thrown their hats in the ring to run for the nomination. And um, we talked about Andrew Yang, which mm-hmm. we're very, it's very strange that we're both very curious about yes. Mr. Yang because that's not, the, if, if I were to pick somebody from the Democrats, that's not actually not the one who I would think that you and I would have a mutual interest well, I think, in. I think what I think we <laughs> see the same problems hitting this country. I think so, and and so um, if you haven't, if you don't know anything about the Democratic candidates uh, that are in the field, you should really check them out. That's going to be interesting, um, and it's going to start getting ugly. I think. So. I think because mm-hmm. I can already tell here, just in the state of Oklahoma, with the local Democrats. There's a lot of elbowing and jockeying for position, and it's like the Democrats are getting rabid, and 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 I I like it. I still say this. You know, this came out, of course, recently where Hillary said she's not going to run. I still never buy it. And what I mean by – I know – the reason I say that, I don't think she's going to announce, but I still say there is going to be people in the Democratic primary who are going to take advantage of chaos – Yes. I'm not talking about the, obviously the Republicans, but, what yeah. I mean, but I'm talking about among the Democrats. And I would not see. I I still think that there's people who may be hoping for a brokered convention, and I would not count Hillary out, even though she says she's I, not going to uh, run. Okay, God. because. I am a Democrat, a very staunch Democrat, and I am not in favor of Hillary Clinton running for the Democratic nomination. No, I, I, I am not in favor. And, and actually, I'll even go a step farther and say I'm not in favor of Joe Biden running either. And I realize, you know, Uncle Joe, I who, know who would have been their ideal candidate last time last time yeah but but here's the thing too is that uh, joe biden you voted for clarence thomas you know what i mean you were on clarence thomas's side all those years ago and considering i just you know went and got to meet anita hill and everything i'm all mad about 1991 again like when i when i actually watched her her uh her testimony but you know there joe biden i just don't think that he's got that appeal. I don't think we need to put a goof up against a goof. uh, You know, that's actually a really, that's a good way to look at it. But, I mean, where is, you know who I haven't heard anything about is the Starbucks guy. You heard about yes, him for a minute, a and then you didn't hear about him. And then he, he was supposed to be at South, South by Southwest, and now he's he, like dropped off the did, radar. Didn't he flirt with third party? Yes. And that's why, yes. That's why you he don't hear said, about him, I think. He yeah. said that he wasn't going to run as a Democrat. He was going to run as an independent. And a lot of people we figured that that... a lot of money to throw at that, boy. Well, but he does. I mean, he owns yeah. Starbucks, so, I mean... You want to go broke losing the presidency? But, <laughs> but, the, but what a lot of people are saying is that, you know, he's kind of doing that to be kind of a spoiler to ensure Trump wins again. Because that would split the vote. That would obviously yeah. split the Democratic vote. Probably not so much the Republican vote, but it would definitely split the Democratic vote enough mm. to where it would completely delegitimize yeah. the, the the parties. The nominee, who, whoever, whoever that may be. And even if it was the, the strongest candidate, which I think it's going to be Bernie. I really think it's going to be Bernie at this point. I, I do. 
I don't know, though. My thing is, I think there would be enough dirt played against him, though. Especially because of his last campaign. I mean, he had a lot. There's a lot of angry There were a lot of shenanigans. A lot of shenanigans. And that thing with him and Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that got really ugly. Yes. And, and we do have a lot of people from the burning wing running this time. So that may cut into some of his core constituency. Booker. Too. Yeah. Cory Booker was a big supporter of Bernie's uh, last time, and now he's running. So, yeah. so I can see it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to, um, to try to get a handle <coughs> on that. So um, you had a couple of things that, uh, for us that you, that you wanted to talk about uh, today. You know, well, this goes back to what we were talking about last time when we looked at, at, at Andrew Yang and how he notices problems coming up. And there's here's the thing, and again— this is neither this 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 has nothing to do with Trump or against Trump, okay? Or if the Democrats are in or not in. This has to do with something beyond their hands that that we're still facing in the future. And I still think nearer than further major problems. Not only what like what Yang has pointed out that a lot of jobs are just going to be eliminated, but we keep updating on different things and and here's some signs that see these are coming around and one of these is and this has been out since the summer this isn't new but it continues auto loan delinquency rates are worse now than even during the financial crisis of 2008 okay wow. uh, okay so that's another bubble that's an that indicator w- yeah the other stuff are bubble this i would call an indicator because that actually shows you when you try to figure out the true health of how people are doing if they're not making their car payments. Oh, and by the way, it's it's the same it's the same segment that 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 we had that that caused trouble when we had um, uh, housing, and that is the the subprime. Yes. Um, loans. Loans. It's the subprime loans, and they yeah. This is this is getting to be a crisis. Well, and basically what it is, and and we talked last week about usury. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, what it is is there's been so much deregulation in the financial system and with the banks and everything That's that it. now everything is a predatory loan. Well, you almost can't really get is, you yeah. almost can't That's get right. just a because regular bank loan. Remember, it's not GM that makes the money; it's GMAC. Yeah, it's not Toyota. It's it's basically Toyota Financial. It's the financial parts that are making more money now a lot of times than the than the companies themselves, you know, than the ones that are making the, the cars. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else, too. Like, if you have the great misfortune to be able to, you know, say if you have a corporate vehicle or something yeah. and you say, okay, my corporation is going to pay this, if you don't finance that thing, they don't want to look at you. They don't That's want right. to fix your car. They don't want to keep anything under warranty. It's just like, hey, we brought this, we bought this brand new. And it's like, oh, well, sorry. It's well, like, oh, because it's not financed? Well, and, and, and and the way this is going to play out is, is because everybody's hooked into the loans and these are going down. That means the demand for new cars is going to crash. Oh, and that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. And, um, you know, we talked a lot last week about these um, candidates, these Democratic candidates from um, these Midwestern states. Yes. One of the reasons I think even somebody like Sherrod Brown, I mean, 
Amy Klobuchar, I, I just, I don't really think that she has a true shot, even though she's, you know, she's all right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to her. Yeah. I just don't think that she's got it to win. But um, people that are running from, from that area and from the Midwest, they're going to face a lot of backlash with GM close, with GM yes. closing That's all right. of these North American plants. And you talk about the demand falling. Uh, Ford had all of those F-150s recalled that's right um this last year and they and that spanned like five years the, uh, the jeep the is it the jeep cherokee is that the one that's the sports utility vehicle i think that's yes the, okay yeah. those they apparently have a huge glut they can't sell them um and so this is this is an indicator already and if we really want to look at the real big bubble the world's biggest bubble it, it really has to, we have a lot that goes to unfunded liabilities. Wow. So, so insurance, great. Oh, not just that. We're talking about like retirements and stuff. Everything. IRAs and things All like that. All stuff. So, for example, in the U.S., if we look at this, and this is over a year old even, I was looking at this, but if you take unfunded liabilities, okay, we're talking about the federal government's unfunded liabilities. Notice I didn't say states, and states are in worse shape than the federal ones. And so this would be Social Security. Medicare and government pensions. Again, we're talking about federal. We're not doing the states. The government actually owns, because we always say it has a $20 trillion deficit, as you know. Mm -hmm. The deficit is believed to be somewhere between $100 and $200 trillion. Again, that's the federal deficit. This is not private debt, nor is this the state's debt. This is the federal government's real debt if you take unfunded liability. And this is going to become worse because as we see now is you have uh, about 10,000 baby boomers a day retiring. Yeah, easily. So we're only hitting the tip of the iceberg. Now, here's the thing that's even more frightening. You can see we're, we're, we're in trouble. Okay. But the thing that's more frightening is this. You would be hard-pressed to find another government in the world who has less trouble than we do with unfunded liabilities. In other words, other countries have much more problems percentage-wise than we do with unfunded liabilities. And people Jeez. have tried to figure out what the world's unfunded liability is. Here's one for you, and this is what's spooky. And this is what's going to be even frightening. We try to figure out what's the number. And I don't think it's one that most people conceive of, and we'll just ask the audience to think about this. What number comes after a trillion? Quadrillion. Yes. Very few people, I think, can answer that. And so... And then it's a quintillion. That's mm -hmm. right. And so what we're looking at is Sextillion. if we actually took the world's unfunded liability, it may be well over a quadrillion. Yeah. Now, you can take that, and then you can take the... GDP of the whole world, it doesn't come near that. Oh, no. Uh, not, no. And, and, the whole economy. And, yeah. and that, to me, that is just, it's just all about, you know, income inequality, Everything wealth, wealth and, inequality, you know, unequal distribution gone. of wealth. Because, you know, it's the people, it's the bottom, you know, 95%. Yeah. The bottom 98%. Well, and we've seen this too. Here's another thing. If you look at like banking laws, how they've come out now. Now the thing basically is if these things go under, yeah, a lot of times you'll be the last person to get your money back. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's not going to be, you know, the you know, the depositors a lot of times and stuff. I mean, you know, this is, you know, you look at who gets the money back first, and that's where it gets spooky. Very much. And, you know, um, and, and just like we, we talked about a few minutes ago, you know, you you talk to a lot of people these days. It doesn't matter what kind of loans. Even their banks, their banks that they've banked with for years and years and years, they don't want to give them any loans, especially like let's yeah. look at government workers. Let's look at the government workers that were furloughed. Some of these banks are worse than the, than the regular oh, yeah. loan places, and, the payday and, loan places. And their interest rates. I mean, and, and you look at, and let's look at the auto industry because especially here in Oklahoma, especially around Caddo County where Thomas and I are from, you've got all kinds of buy here, pay here, yes. all of these predatory. You, got to. you have to. You know, your debt gets to be so bad where your credit is so bad. You really don't have a choice but to go somewhere where all they need is a couple pay stubs and, you know, proof of residence or whatever in your driver's license. You but know? but the thing is, actual banks who you're supposed to be able to go to and, and to be able to sort this out without having to resort to predatory predatory lending they're they're preying on their own customers and they understand that they can't chisel that much more off of you yeah. so they they force you to to take these other alternatives and so how do we get i mean we have to start regulating again right if if we well, want to address have to watch that out i mean what kind of regulation we do because you know after we had the last banking crisis in a way we almost have i'm not going to say this is the way most republicans do Certain things we overregulated. What I mean by that was some of these regulations almost turned out counterproductive in that a lot of the giant banks pushed for more regulation, not because they wanted regulation, but because it crushed the regional and the local banks because they can't, they, they would have, you know, banks that were playing by the rules, they now have so much stuff placed on them. That, you know, if you look at a local bank, usually they have a lawyer. Or a lot of times I even ask one of these regional ones, you may have a whole regional that may have one or two lawyers. Okay, well, if you take Goldman Sachs, whatever, they can have hundreds. And so they like the regulations because they can meet the regulations. A lot of local and regional banks who did play by the rules, who were doing what we asked them, they can't. They can't meet the regulations anymore. And so a lot of the regulations that came in ended up punishing the people that played and rewarding the people that brought about the last financial crisis. And that happened through lobbyists yes, and, yes. and more and by, um, and income was, distribution. And bipartisan. We seem to enjoy bailing people because out. Because you had... Um, Frank Dodd, who were Democrats. Oh, yeah. But you look at the people who backed it, and you've got a lot of Republicans. I mean, it, it's Dodd bipartisan. Frank, yeah. I mean, it was completely yeah, it was. bipartisan. It was. And um, there, But there's just, there's been so, it's just, it's been, and, and I agree with you, it's been Democrats and Republicans, yep. and it's just been the systematic dismantling of everything that built the United States, that built yes. our infrastructure, that built our our government, that built our healthy. Now, and it's like I said, I'm a Democrat, but one of the things I feel like that, I do feel like that there needs to be more regulation. However, I think it needs to be closely monitored. And right. I am absolutely not for more government and, and, intervention and, and more, in anything. And I'm more, Indian. And when you say, <laughs> yeah. when you say, and again, when you're talking about regulation, you're talking about at the top, 
not the local ones that Absolutely. can't Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. talking about, and, and, and I don't think that there's anything <coughs> wrong with a progressive tax system. I think that would benefit, I mean, we could address a lot of things with a progressive tax, I but think, this regressive I code think, that we've had. I think just, even more so than a progressive tax would be what we're taxing. And what I mean by that is, and I think we talked about this last week, was we always think progressive when we think, well, we'll tax higher more than lower. I get that. And, and there's some truth. But I think what we should look at is where that income is coming from. In other words, I think we should probably tax um, income that comes from um, how much of your how much of your income is coming from somebody else's debt? That's it. How much is coming from somebody else's debt? And if it's coming from somebody else's debt, that should be taxed higher than what you earn oh, by yeah. working Going to harder. Work. That's right. Yeah, and that's what I think. Instead of instead of looking at progressive, like, and again, I, I do get the graduated step, but instead of looking at progressive tax as wealthy pays more, what I would say is, where's your money coming from? And if you're producing, if you're producing. That should pay less than if it's sucking off the side. Does that Mm. make sense? It very much does. I have no trouble with a very wealthy person paying a low tax if they're producing. If that actually is creating jobs, if that's actually putting people to work, I have no problem. I have no problem with a paying a lower one. But if, if your wealth is coming from other people's misery, that's a problem. And that needs to be taxed at a different rate. Well, and let, so let's go back to these auto loans that we've been talking about, and and let's put let's let's apply that there. Okay, so let's say I want to go and buy a brand new car at John Holt, mm-hmm. and I go through GMAC, and I and their standards their, their standards for GMAC. Holy oh, moly! Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so that reminded me too. That reminded me, too, how the whole system is rigged. Yes. Okay, you ready? Yes. So everybody has a FICA score. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I so think I'm we're about, about to say the same thing. Okay, yes. this is amazing. So I have been fighting debt because of medical stuff, because of other stuff. We've been getting it under control. So we have been sacrificing to pay this down. Okay, get this. So we pay it down quite a bit. Okay, quite a bit. And once we paid it down, then we... We got rid of one of the cards. Here's the thing. I was better off when I had more cards and more debt by my FICA score than when I paid it down and had fewer cards. The incentive is for you to have more cards and continue to have debt. Yes. Yes, very much. That is absolutely where now, I now, was going now with they'll that. Say, they'll say, well, that's not true. If you pay it down, it helps. As long as you've got some more cards that you're using. Does that make sense? Oh, you have to use them, too. You have to That's actively you use, have them. To use them. If, if you're not using them, they will ding you and, on your and credit score. That, and, and people will say, you know, people say, well, that's okay. I don't care because I don't. Let's say that somebody says, no, nah, I don't care if my FICA score is bad. Now, this is where it gets real insidious because they'll say, you know, I've got enough money in the bank. I'll never need a car loan or I'll never need a house loan. Let's say you're that well off. Here's the problem, though. The FICA score doesn't just influence how well you get a loan. It also influences your insurance rate. I was just going to say that. It's it insane. absolutely That's does. Insane. There are some there's some jobs that they will do a credit That's check it. on. That's it. And they're that if, check. You, if you got a low credit score, whether that's from debt or from, you know, not having any debt. 
That's it. Then there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to get that job at the the loan place or the bank but, or I mean, whatever like the, that. What a FICA score should say is how reliable is this person? You know, that's what it should say. Not rig it somehow so that we make sure people have an incentive to always have debt. That's evil. That's well, just evil. And you look at the credit rating, you look at the credit rating agencies and everything, and what do they have? They all have ads for get this credit card, raise your credit, yeah. raise your credit with this credit card and everything. I got enough. I've got enough credit cards and enough debt yeah. and everything else, but you have to continue to spend that. And I'm, you know, I worked really hard to get out of debt. It yes. took me three and a half years to get completely out of debt. Yeah. But I did it. And it's like you said, it's the sacrifice. It's the it's just, it, that's all it is. It's a sacrifice. And then for your FICA score to go down is a slap in the face. When when you pay off your credit cards and say, hey, I'm going to cut this up because right. I'm not going to need it anymore. And then all of a sudden, my credit score drops 10 points. That's right. And why? Oh, well, because you're not spending your money. And it's that's like, right. That's right. But and, and again, not only does that hurt your what's your interest rates that you're going to pay if you get a house, but even... Even your insurance rates. Oh, don't get Even me started on my insurance rates, rates for my house yeah. and my my vehicles. Th- those yeah. should not. There shouldn't be a connection there. I mean, what does that have to? What does my insurance paying my insurance have to do with my car? I I just don't yeah. know. Or my house, you know, yeah. my house payment. I mean, what does that have to do? As long as it's not repoed and it's I, I, it's again, I don't pretend to understand this oh, the understand. financial market. <laughs> I, I I don't. I, but it's but it's but, but I understand. Not as it being legitimate. I understand why they do it. Uh, yeah, and it's, and, 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 it's, and, and it's evil. I mean, and I and is. I guess that's where like my head like. That's where I get lost in it is like my I can't even get my mind to wrap around like why somebody would want to put other people in that position. But then yeah. again, a lot of it is due to this privatizing a lot of our everything from our prison system to a lot of our I mean, think about it this way. I mean, <laughs> You know, now Once it goes you, from a service to for profit, then yeah, that's a problem. Absolutely. And then you you look at these people who are I mean, who makes all the money in, in the country now? MBAs. Lobbyists. Well, that's right. They're, they're worse, the ones and even worse than privatizing is the connection now, the union between private and public. I mean, that's just that's that's crazy. And I'm, and that's to me, that is one of the major issues that we're having in this country is, you know, just like the um, the uh, military apartments in um, I think it was North Carolina that they had all of that black mold yeah. and termites and everything. I mean, these are our soldiers. Some of these some of these. Um, soldiers are overseas in combat, and they have to worry about their wives and their kids living in. Our tax in... dollars are paying for you know them to fix these these barracks and but, stuff but whenever they're the not even getting but, fixed. But here's the thing: it's not the army. The army contracted that stuff out yeah. to private yeah. contractors who built that, and now the private contractors are are not accepting the responsibility. And now the army. I mean, so what? There's no recourse. I mean, you're the army yeah (laughs) i mean if i say something crazy right here right now on this show the army's gonna be here tomorrow (laughs) to take this ending down but where where is the disconnect how do we even begin to address all this (laughs) you're the lobbyist but that's the main thing i mean it's it's 
He stumped it's him. The, it's the money. It's the money in politics. And, and what we have to get to is we have to make sure that we have elections, not options. And what we have now are options. And, and it's, you know what? I'm even okay with the money in politics, just not the dark money. Yes, we need to tra- you know, transparency. That's right. I'm okay with these grassroots, um, little county will, Democratic, you, you know, know, parties or Republican parties or whatever. This, that's one thing that I've been, that, I, that I've noticed actually, um, um, the um, there, I think it's the Comanche County Republicans are actually g- going to have a program on dark money. So even even county ones are starting to notice this. You know, there's some there's a grassroots movement watching dark money. Uh, but again, the problem is the top is controlled by dark money. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, and the the thing that scares me about dark money is the same thing that scares me about the dark web. Yes. Is that you really, really don't, know what it is. you don't know who, <laughs> and, right. you, and not only that, you don't know who's bought and sold. Exactly. You absolutely don't know who's been paid for, and and you may never know. The best way to trace dark money, if you want to see the influence of dark money, is always look at any organization. We're not even talking about politicians, just any organization, and see what lobbying lobbying firms they're hiring. Because there are certain lobbying firms that are as corrupt as... All lobbying firms may be corrupt, but some of them are more so than others. And what's amazing is, is when you see firms that go beyond left, right, whatever, they get on both sides, and then, and, and not just left, right, not even just Republican and Democrat, but both sides of, of, of certain issues or whatever, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. People should look into that. Always look and see who the lobbying firm is representing somebody. Well, and, and you make a really interesting point about that, because I think that... As the American public, we're oblivious to a lot of this stuff just because of all of the stresses that we have in our daily lives. And we don't realize that there are operatives out there who want all sides to lose because because they profit off of it. There are so many people that just basically have thrown their hands up. They're like, you know what, it doesn't matter. They're going to put whoever the hell they want to in there. I'm I'm done with this But, you know, I'm glad you guys are bringing this up because I hate – when politicians always throw back this answer, well, American people doesn't care about that. American people needs to, you know, look at they don't have they don't have any, you know, any get up and go blah 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 blah. And the point is, it goes back to what you said. It's really people are tired. They're they're working all the time. They're busy. They're trying to raise the family. And they don't have the time to look into all this. And then once it keeps happening and happening and happening, basically it goes back like to what Thomas says, they withdraw. And I think that is also by design. Absolutely. And and once you start looking, once you actually start looking, that, that stuff is depressing. It is. I mean, when you look at how how much money has influenced our government and our elections and everything, it's... You know, it's it, it's it is it's depressing, and it'll make you just be like, like "Why do yeah, I vote? Is, yeah, why do I even no, need to vote? There's no, no reason for me to even be here. Like, I mean, because I mean, there's a lot. I know a lot of people that feel like that. They feel like, what is the point of me voting? Whenever they're gonna put whoever they want in there anyway, it doesn't matter what I say. I have no voice. Whatever. You know, these people are all bought and paid for they're going to vote accordingly it doesn't matter what the general public or who their constituents are or whatever it does none of that matters 
Because the bottom line in America is money. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's about money. It's whether the people are making money or whether, you know, these politicians are making money or whatever. It's all about that bottom line. And the numbers that you've thrown out tonight are, quite frankly, scary. Very much. And so... uh one of the main things that we I I really like about doing this show is that we, even though we're all from completely different political ideologies, we all always land on the same thing. Like this is an issue, and you know we we all want common sense solutions to that. Something that something that's going to not just so you know. Not everybody has to lose so somebody can win. That's right. And I, I think that's really what we, we need to get back to. And we need some leadership that's going to make that example for us. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of The Crow's Nest. Be sure to catch us back here next Saturday at noon for a brand new episode. And if you miss any of the live shows, don't forget to click on our podcast tab on our Talk Jive homepage. All you got to do is choose how you get your podcast and then... Click whichever episode you want to listen to and listen away. Every episode, every past episode of The Crow's Nest is there for your listening pleasure. So uh, you can get caught up with everything that we've been talking about and uh, make sure that you keep up with these local issues because we're sure going to be keeping up with them. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, so for Thomas Ware III, Dr. Kevin Crow, I'm Kelly J. Lewis. Be sure to catch us back here next week, Saturday at noon Central Time. In the meantime, have a great day.